hello, everyone. I am so excited to be here. And uh, it's, well, thank you. No, I wasn't a, that wasn't a plug, I promise. Uh, but anyways, uh, no, I, I am so glad to be back. I mean, I've looked forward to this for a long time, but I've been pretty busy during the, uh, uh, the time uh, in the transition from my new responsibility. But it's always just an absolute thrill to be able to come back and uh, fill in once in a while for Mark whenever he's out of town. And um, uh, so, I, but I am going to do something a little bit different today. Uh, you have in your hands uh, a ministry brochure that we put out whenever uh, the missions and ministry department actually got started, which was April of last year. So it's pretty amazing that a church the size of Champion Forest Baptist Church has never really had a missions uh, department, and now we do, and it's very exciting. But the challenges that come with that and establishing that and what it's supposed to look like and what you're supposed to do, there's going to be many changes that will be going on uh, uh, in there for quite some time. But now, I, I can tell you this is already dated. Any time you put out anything that's in print, it's going to be dated. Some of the mission trips in the back are dated, and some of those have not worked out, not panned out. We've had some others that were added that were not on here uh, that are going to be taking place. In fact, uh, Ken Gerhardt is going to be uh, leading a construction trip up to in Canada. And so if some of you might be interested in that, a lot of sheetrocking and uh, electrical work and that sort of thing, Ken Gerhardt's going to be leading that trip up there. So uh, that kind of came out of a vision trip that Morris Horner and I uh, took up there. So there's some things that are not on the trips back here, some others that, uh, that are, are not uh, going to make, but we, we try to keep those updated on our website. But the reason why we put this out was because we found out that through the years there were a lot of people that did not know where our missions money went, where it was given. I mean, Champion Forest has given literally hundreds of thousands of dollars to mission causes through the years. Uh, but a lot of people didn't really know exactly what uh, those were. Uh, when Costa Rica was talked about, and you could see pictures of the children's homes uh, that you were building, well, then, you know, then we knew about that. Uh, when we, during, when uh, Rita, I'm, I'm sorry, when Katrina hit, and there was a church, the First Baptist Church of Past Christian during the interim time that uh, you all uh, allowed uh, and gave money to go build a new children's building for that. Well, that is completed now. We'll be giving you a report on that in the coming weeks. Uh, Dr. Fleming will be telling you about that. But almost a half a million dollars that you all gave to complete that children's building for outreach in Past Christian. Uh, and so when you saw those things up on the screen, well, then you knew kind of where it was going. But... A lot of people, for instance, don't know where the World Missions offering. Oh, we have some right over here. Uh, Stacy's got some holding up. If some still need some, just go ahead and deliver them wherever you need to. Um, but uh, like the World Missions offering, it kind of as you go through here, you flip through there, you find out about the World Missions offering. You know, that's usually on the envelope that you have. It just says World Missions. Where does that money go? Well, that goes to uh, Annie Armstrong, uh, which is our uh, offering for. Uh, home missions, and then Lottie Moon, which is our offering for international missions. Now, there has been one change there. It is now uh, 60% uh, for uh, Lottie Moon and 30% for Annie Armstrong and then 10% for ongoing CFBC mission causes. And that was voted on a, a couple months, months ago. So that would be uh, different uh, as you read about it. But this is just to put, this was just put together to try to educate uh, the church body on where does our money go? How is it distributed? And, uh, 
and what we'll be doing in the future. So I, I just wanted to give that to you today, and, uh, and I just uh, have some things at the very beginning to tell you a little bit about our, our, our uh, mandate and our model and, uh, and how we go about how we want to structure this, um, this department. Like I said, it's going to be a little bit different uh, today because uh, I will show you some of those pictures. You know what's funny is because when I was growing up in church, I remember whenever they talk about a missionary coming, I knew we were going to get pictures. And I remember thinking, man, I would never do that. And lo and behold, I'm going to be showing you pictures. And so I guess I have become officially a missionary in that respect. You know? So I'm going to be telling you some pictures. Also, I do want to let you know that uh, we'll have a chance some points at home at the end where uh, you'll be able to have a, a chance to pray for our missionaries, but also pray for some of the mission trips uh, that will be going out. In fact, we've got a brand new one that's going to be going to the Cachada Nation uh, uh, mission trip, if you're interested. Uh, there's, it includes a meal plan and, uh, the, and uh, the bus trip over there. So it's, it's going to be a good one. Anyways, uh, I told Dr. Trammell, that's not really fair when you do that. And I'm coming out for the Baptist. I'm like, what am I supposed to say? Ryan, hold on a minute. I want to even the score here. You know, I'm kind of at a disadvantage. But uh, anyways, and, but, hey, and one of the reasons why I was so grateful to come back to Champion Force is because I've spent hours with Lewis as he's been helping me with my gambling addiction. And, uh, and he was kind enough to lead the trip that uh, I proposed to him as well because he knows so much about it now by talking with me. But... Um, I just want to talk a little bit and, and, and kind of make this interactive, too, about missions. Because, you know, when we think about missions, uh, I've been learning this as well, that when we think about missions, we just think about those people that are super spiritual and they got some unique call of God on their lives and they go to places where we would never think about going and, and they sacrifice so much. And they're just different from us. And, and, and we, you know, we're just amazed at what, what they're willing to give up in the sacrifice. But you know what? Mission, mission, not with an S on the end. Mission is the calling to the church. It's not just going and taking trips. Missions with an S is what local churches do But mission, what is our mission? Our mission is to, like what Steve was saying, we come here and we soak, and we are so blessed here in this country because we have so much freedom and we've got so many Bibles and we've got so many Bible tools and we've got Christian bookstores on every corner and we soak and we soak and we soak and we soak. Let me tell you, and what happens is it just kind of gets all just, we just... We fill up, fill up, fill up. But you know what? There's got to be an outlet for that. And I love the analogy that Steve used. If you sit in the bucket, you soak up. What is the purpose of the sponge? The purpose of the sponge is to be taken out of the bucket, squeezed out. And what are you doing? You're transporting water from this place to this place. And you know what? That's the way we should be. Yes, there's a time for soaking, but then there's a time for being squeezed out. Now, it may be in Indonesia, or it may be in inner city Houston, or it may be at boys and girls country, or it might be with your neighbor who lives right next to you. Mission happens everywhere, and that is what God has called us to, the mission of Christ, the mission of church, of of his church. 
But the missions, the various types of work that we do, um, is, is what we participate in. It's a means to an end. It's not an end in and of itself. Whether you do something in the name of Christ or you go on some mission trip, that's not an end in and of itself. It's a means to an end. It's the process, as Steve said, of being squeezed out. Squeezed out for Christ. Now, at uh, Champion Forest, what is our mandate? As, we, as, as Dr. Fleming said, you know, uh, Scott, why don't you head this up? You know, first of all, I just thought, what a sense of humor that God has. I've never been a foreign missionary. I've never been a missionary over there. You know, I can think of a lot of people that would be better candidates for that. But, you know, what I'm learning about Jesus is that he will put us in circumstances where we have to depend on him. Because, see, I had done pastoral ministries for 12 years coming back here. You know, I... I don't mean this to sound bad, but I knew how to do that. I knew how to do weddings. I knew how to do funerals. I knew how to do some preaching. I knew how to do do Bible studies. I knew how to have deacons meetings, but I didn't have to do that coming back. I I knew how to do a lot of those things that you just learn to do as a pastor. But then during that interim time and things that came my way, and then when Pastor Fleming asked me to head this up, I didn't know anything about this. And so I just said, I literally went back and said, Lord, I haven't got a clue how to do this. And I started emailing every missions pastor I could and looking at all kinds of, of um, uh, uh, you know, mission books. I went back and pulled all my notes from my missions classes, you know, at, at uh, seminary. And what I started finding out when I, they call it a metro, and what metro are all missions pastors that are in churches at, at you know, like, like size, and when I started reading them, they were asking some of the questions, same questions I was. So that made me kind of feel better a little bit. But then, you know, we would dialogue, and I just really felt that, you know what, let's go find what the Bible has to say about how we should structure this and how we should go, where we should go from here. So our mandate is based on Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. You know this. This is called the Great Commission. I've been given complete authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Notice that it says, it doesn't just say go make converts. It says make disciples. Disciples are people who learn and grow and are taught, but then turn around and teach others. You see, if we're not doing that, then the process is short-circuited. Again, the analogy of the sponge. If you're sitting in the bucket, then the process is short-circuited. And, you know, the truth is what it is, and that is that the statistics show that less than 1% of professing believers ever share their faith with anyone. Less than 1%. Now, when you think about that, that's a staggering statistic, isn't it? Less than 1%. And so, there's a lot of people who are soaking and have learned so much, but many times because of fear or uncertainty or the fear of being rejected or misunderstood or the fear of embarrassment, people keep that to themselves. But the direct command of Jesus Christ is to, as you go, 
to make disciples here in Houston as well as abroad. So Matthew 28, that wasn't really hard. But then what about our method? What is our process? How do we do this? Well, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power and will tell people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so I said, well, you know, that's really easy for us to do as well. As we look at what Jesus told them is that, you know, obviously the natural place when the church was born in Jerusalem, the natural place was to start there where they lived. And then to take it to the end of the earth, to the ends, uh, ends of the world. So where should we start? We should start right here in Houston. I mean, if we're only taking trips to foreign lands, there's something wrong. Again, the process has been short-circuited because it starts right here where we live, right here in Houston. And then across the state, and then across the country, and then across the continent or to the other continents as well. So there's our method. Okay, we have uh, the mandate. It's not even arguable that Jesus wants us to go and make disciples. If we're being discipled, then let's go make disciples. And then the method is clear that we should start where we live and then take it as far as we can go. And then our model. Who do you think our model is? Mark six thirty four. A vast crowd was there as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he taught them many things. One of the things that's been interesting is when you're a pastor... Uh, you will always have people call you that are so passionate or so concerned about something. For instance, this past week we had uh, we got uh, two emails. Number one, the food bank was dangerously low in food, and because of all the prices of food and gas and everything else is going up, there's desperate people out there, so they're almost out of food. We got a call from the Baptist Mission Centers that they had a freezer in the Gano location that uh, they did not realize, but had gone uh, had had stopped working, and all of a sudden they went in there and they had all the meat, uh, like about you know, several thousand dollars meat in there that had all gone bad, and they totally depend on that. We also then got a word from someone that NAM is dangerously low in their food uh, pantry as well. Uh, we also support a ministry called SAM, Spring Assistance Ministries, which is uh, over there in Spring, right there on uh, Aldine Westfield, uh, uh, and and uh, great lady, uh, has a wonderful ministry there. Tell you a little bit more about that in just a second. You know, all these ministries are neat, and we'll, we'll get calls from people and they'll say, you know, so-and-so, they're, 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 they need this, or they need this, or they'll call about a family, they need this. And one of our first questions is, then, so far, what have you done so that then we can piggyback on that? Well, I, well we, we have, I mean, I was just calling you all to let you know, because maybe to get the word out. You know, there's always this, an idea that let's get the word out because these people have needs. When it's nine times out of ten, God probably allowed you to learn about that need to start the process. To take it down. Because He wants us to not always be announcing to others, but He wants us to be involved in His work. Why? Because He felt compassion. And let me tell you, Americans are the most compassionate people on the face of the earth. Absolutely. No, no, no. It's not even arguable. Now, 
we shouldn't let that become a point of pride because I think Americans are also some of those prideful people on the face of the earth. You know? Uh, oh, we got some applause for that too. Um, but yeah, we're most compassionate. Most compassionate people on the face of the earth. I mean, we're moved by compassion. One of the things when, when uh, Dr. Fleming and, and, and we were talking about this neighbor to neighbor, you notice that the process, the neighbor to neighbor, going to our neighbor, guess where? Where would that fit into? Jerusalem. You see, it fits into our overall strategy. Well, as we go neighbor to neighbor, what is it? We meet our neighbor, then we pray for our neighbor, then we involve our neighbor. Third point, we involve our neighbor. You know, even if you have someone that does not profess Christ or does not know Christ and doesn't have a personal relationship with Him, but you know, you go to them and say, um, hey, you know, our church is going to be collecting blankets for the homeless at the church under the bridge in September. And, and I, you know, this is after you've already met them. You've had your barbecue or you've had your ice cream social or you've just had them over for dinner or something. You've had some of the folks get to meet other folks, get to meet other neighbors. You've been praying for them. Oh God, I pray that you'd open their heart, make their heart tender and receptive to, to your word and, and your gospel and the, and the knowledge and understanding of you. And so you're praying for them. And then all of a sudden the time comes where you say, Hey, we're going to be collecting these blankets. You know, we're getting brand new blankets. And I just want to know, would you be interested in maybe buying a blanket? You know what? I've been I bet you, I bet you every one of them will say, well, really? Yeah, and, and, and then if you buy one, you just let me know, and I'll just come by and pick it up, and I'll take it on down to the church, and, well, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll buy a blanket. I bet you almost every one of them. I mean, nine times out of ten, they're going to say, well, yeah, I can buy a blanket. You go by, pick it up. You bring it down to the church. You know what else is going to happen? They're going to get curious. Because a couple weeks later, they're going to say, hey, next time you see him out in the yard... Hey, by the way, uh, how did that blanket drive go? Well, see, what you've just done is you've involved them in a process. And why are they most of the time going to do it even if they don't know Christ? Because they're compassionate people. People want to be able to help people. Well, the difference is we're doing it in Jesus' name because we're trying to open hearts to the gospel. And they're going to say, and you say, oh, it was unbelievable. We, had, we took it 1,500 blankets. You should have seen them. They kept them on the tables for two weeks and they're stacked up. It was unbelievable. And you know what? They might, in their heart of hearts, whether or not they ever say it, they say, well, I would have loved to have seen that. Well, see, now it's just getting the heart ready for that final one when you invite them. Now, it doesn't have to take place over months and months and months. It might only take weeks. It may only take days. But what you're doing is you're sowing seeds. Why? Because Jesus had compassion on people and he responded to their needs. Because when he looked at them, he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. So he taught them many things. What do these people look like? What do these people that are without a shepherd look like? Well, here's some scenes of some people in Bali. A mother and a little child. Now, Bali, part of the uh, Indonesia over there, way, way, way in the east. Um, just above Australia, a string of islands that uh, we sent a team over there. They ministered primarily to our missionaries. And before you say, well, you know what? The missionaries, well, why are we going to the missionaries? Let's go to the people who need Jesus. Well, you know what? When the missionaries are coming from all of those islands where they are many times so isolated and it, it, those islands are closed 
to the gospel, meaning that they have to have a platform. They have to have a, a, a real job that they work because they can't just be going out and preaching on, the, on a soapbox you know, in the streets. And so they're having to go through different ways to be able to present the gospel. You know what? Year after year after year, guess what? You know, it gets tired. You know what? They don't have the option to say, hey, kids, we're going to go visit this church uh, this weekend. And next week we might check out that church. And I, by the way, I heard that that church has a great youth ministry program, so we'll probably go there at the end of the month. And then uh, we also want to check out that big church. We heard their music program is just outstanding. They have not that option. Their worship is with their family and maybe a very few other believers. So they come once a year where they come and they can, they can be fed and they can be nurtured. And our team went to go minister to them. But in the midst of that, they also encountered... People who were like sheep without a shepherd. Look at the little children. Fun-loving kids. This is when they went off on a bike tour up there and uh, went riding up in the mountains and uh, met these little kids in the villages. And they would go back in the back and they would see a volleyball net that was set up and they'd play volleyball with them, our team, when they were on their bicycles and with a guide. And look at the kids. Just as goofy as any kids you'd find anywhere else. But this whole country... There's such darkness there. Those are the children. Now, you can't really see this lady very clearly right here. I wish that was a little bit brighter. But here's a lady making baskets for the offerings to their gods. And she, that's what she does for her livelihood, to make offerings to the gods. And what are their gods? Well, there's a couple of their gods that they worship. Total darkness. Many gods, and none of them are loving and compassionate and kind like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You see, their religion is based on them trying to be good enough to get to God. But our faith is based on God being good and coming to us and reaching out to us. That is what sets Christianity apart from every other world religion. It's totally unique, besides the fact that it's the most... Uh, clearly and the most rational faith of all of them. But this is some of their gods. So they're like sheep without a shepherd. Now that was a, uh, a major undertaking. Uh, one of our, the, the folks that went on the, on the mission trip uh, was never been out of the country before, very frightened about going. That was a huge step of faith. Now, again, there may be some of you in this place right now that may be praying, you know what, maybe God wants me to take that size step. But then again, maybe God is wanting you to take a much smaller step. And that is to involve yourself in a ministry right here in your backyard. Lorraine Hibbert is your missions coordinator, your director here at, uh, in your Sunday school class. She was one of the ones that went on this trip to Bali. And uh, Lorraine, why don't you come on up here and tell them very quickly about what that kind of meant for you when you went to Bali, but also if you just kind of tell us about a ministry that you're very passionate about here and how you want to encourage other folks to take that step as well. Good morning. Step up here where they can see you. Um, <laughs> God has blessed me um, since 2000, having opportunities to go on different mission trips. And when I say he has blessed me, I, I don't mean that lightly. Every year that I've gone on a mission trip, um, 
I didn't know that I was going to be able to go. I had the desire to go, and there was always a reason um, where I didn't think I couldn't go. Um, it was either health reasons or financial reasons. And each year, God has opened the door for me to go. So it has just been a blessing that I've been able to be involved in mission trips since 2000. So um, last year, when I went to Bali, I was already excited about the next year. And I said, okay, Lord, where are you going to send me next year? I was all ready to, you know, get prepared for that. So I started praying about it, and I didn't hear anything. And so I thought, okay, Lord, so where do you want me to go next year? And I just felt like God wasn't, you know, he wasn't answering that, that particular prayer. What I didn't know is, um, first of all, patience. Um, but what I didn't know is he had already planned for me to do something different. And because he gave me this, this passion for missions, um, he has chosen or decided that I need to be here now, that I need to be involved with so many of the mission opportunities here. And I was amazed at what's going on right here in Houston, just amazed. Um, just doors have started opening, showing me different things that um, we can be involved in here in Houston. Um, one of the missions um, Scott mentioned was SAM. And I, I think we briefly mentioned, mentioned it a couple of Sundays ago, and I had um, some um, things for you to pick up to kind of tell you a little bit about it. Um, this is um, a mission right here on this side of town, and basically they, um, they have what's called a seniors' night where they have seniors who um, are living on just their, the little bit of income they get from um, Social Security and just don't have the opportunity to get out and do things. So they have a night once a month where they come to this, this um, organization, and they give them dinner, and they have activities, games, and things like that. And the seniors really look forward to this. And it is, it's just amazing how many come and just how much fun they have. Um, they do mentoring in different elementary schools and encourage kids who may be in a single-parent home or may be raised by their grandparents, encourage them to stay in school, um, letting them know that no matter what their circumstance is, God is right there with them, walking that journey with them. And so they, they do that. And one of the big things they do is they have a food pantry and they have a thrift store. I was amazed. I went and spent a day there um, with the lady that runs it, Debbie. I was amazed at what they do at this thrift store. If a family comes in that thrift store with a garbage bag, just any size garbage bag, you can fill that garbage bag up until it's almost about to bust. And whatever you put in that garbage bag is $5 no matter what. And they have dishes, clothing, everything you can imagine they have at this thrift store. And a family can come in and fill their garbage bag up, and it will cost them $5. I was just amazed at this. And every family or every person that walks in there gets a Bible. And when someone asked, how much is this? The first thing that the lady that was at the counter said, we don't charge for God's word. There's no price for God's word. This is, you know, this is our gift to you. And that gives them opportunity to start sharing the gospel. And it's, it's just amazing, amazing what they're doing at this ministry. So I was real excited about it, and I came back, and I, I um, went to see Lewis, and I said, 
our class has got to get involved with this ministry. This ministry is unbelievable. The things that they do right here on our side of town, I bet you no one knows. This is a well-kept secret. So I wanted our class just to really get involved with this ministry. It's called SAM, Spring Assistant Ministries, because they always, always have a need. And um, I'm going to stay in touch with Debbie. She's going to let us know as they have needs that come up. And one thing is their food pantry, as Scott was saying, there's a lot of ministries, the food pantries are low or nothing. And they're about there right now. So um, I told them that I would, you know, let our class know that. And what I would like is um, later on this summer, a little closer to when they're going to really need us to fill up, maybe about August, if we could just do a food drive and just start bringing non-perishable foods here. And we are going to arrange to get it delivered to them. That's one of their needs. And other is just time. They, they need volunteers just to come and help sort out the food or to sort out when, when people are delivering clothes to donate to the thrift store, just to sort, sort out and get those things organized. So that's just something that, you know, that we could do as a class um, to help out. Um, and I saw in our bulletin today um, about Undie Sunday, if anyone saw that in your bulletin, where we're about to do a drive to uh, collect um, children's underwear and un boxers for men for three different missions that need, um, that they have a shortage. And this is something, I think it's June 22nd that they're going to be doing. And um, I really want our class to just jump in there and just, you know, overwhelm them with more underwear than they know what to do with. <laughs> and <laughs> because this is, it's a need that we don't think about. And it's, but it's big. It's very big. And I just want us to, to get excited and to just, you know, be a part of helping someone who just thinks that they've been forgotten about. Um, there's so many other opportunities, and I'm going to continue just to bring them in front of you. And, and you know, I just I want you guys just to, to know that missions here is so big. You don't have to go to Indonesia or Costa Rica or anywhere else because there's such a need right here in Houston and as a class, the opportunity is just unbelievable. And what a blessing to get involved. I, I, I can't even tell you how blessed I am just, just being involved and doing. And, and um, I just want us to all, you know, just be hyped up about it and, <laughs> and get involved. So anyway. Thank you, Lorraine. Thank you. I love to see people's lives and hearts that are changed by giving their life away. And actually, that's the principle that Jesus said. If a man wants to save his life, what? He must lose it first. If you really want to experience living, then the only way you're going to experience that is to give your life away. The more you hold on to your life, uh, the more uh, self-absorbed you're going to be, the more self-conscious you're going to be. You know, in, have you ever thought about that? Well, you know, I don't want to do that because I'm self-conscious. Think about that word, self-conscious. What does that mean? I'm thinking about myself. You see, well, that's inevitably that's what happens to all of us, any of us, that when we do that, it, we will become more uh, uh, in, uh, self-conscious and, and inwardly focused. So, Lorraine, thank you for doing that. Uh, the way we found out about um, uh, Sam was through a ministry called Get Together. And it's just what the name implies. It's just a simple get-together. But uh, some folks started meeting down in a Presbyterian church. The church just simply sponsored it. But it was uh, some businessmen that got together uh, for lunch. And they said, what can we call this thing? Because we wanted to get businessmen and women involved 
uh, with faith-based organizations. They say, well, what should we call this? They say, well, why don't we just call it uh, Get Together? And so that's what, what it was. And so uh, somebody invited us to go check this out. We went down there. In fact, it was Becky Heath that uh, works at uh, Open Door Mission. And we went to go check this out. And we were so impressed by the simplicity of how this worked that now we had our first meeting of Get Together Northwest this past Thursday, and we had 40 people that showed up for that, businessmen and women. That one, And you just it's not about the money. It's just about meeting the needs of these faith-based organizations. It's incredible how simple it was and just to see those needs being met. It was just an amazing thing. We found out about uh, Debbie and uh, uh, Spring Assistance Ministries. How, how did she start this? She started years ago just simply because she had a burden. She did not have a social worker's degree. She did not have all the stuff that you say, the the credentials. She just had a burden to help people. She started this ministry so simple, so uh, uh, simplistic, and now it's grown into one that meets uh, hundreds of needs every month. So that's how we get involved. Well, let's move along a little bit further here. Now, we, this is whenever the group was coming back from, uh, from Indonesia, and they stopped over in Japan. That's where they caught the next flight. And here's the largest Buddhist temple in Japan. You know, I said, well, that's what I would expect. You know, of course, we can't really appreciate how big that thing really is, but we would expect that to be in Japan, right? But you know what? You see, the world has come to North America. Because when Morris and I went to uh, Canada to see about some possibilities going up there, especially during the, when the uh, Olympics are coming in 2010, of how we might be involved in some evangelism up there uh, at the Olympics because literally the world is going to come to Vancouver. We went up there. And, you know, up there the church is weak and anemic, the evangelical church. And they've got a lot of crises going on I won't go into right now. But one of the things is you can't just... Get a group of believers together and say, you know what, let's go buy a piece of property and let's build a church in Vancouver. Number one, it's too expensive. A building about the size or about half the size of our student building right over here would be over a million dollars just to build. And so what's interesting is, you know, when God is at work, one of the crises that they have up there is the Anglican church. Because right now the Anglican church is in a crisis over the homosexual issue. And so there are churches that are literally disbanding and they're going to be having to sell the property. Well, you know, there's some pastors up there that are praying that God will not lose those properties. So one of the prayer requests that they have, the prayer request, they're not asking us to give them money. They're asking for us to pray for them. And you could be praying for the pastors in Vancouver, Canada, that God would supply the money because these buildings are going to go on sale. And if they could get a building, then that gives them permanence and that gives them credibility. And that's so important up there. But that is a dark place of the world. You move to Seattle, where we also have a work up there called The Journey. You, it's dark up there. Chris Mayfield working up there and staying in Baldwin. We've got a mission trip that's going to be going to The Journey July the 10th through the 17th. Check it out on our website. All of the mission trips are on our website. You can check those out. Also, as, as Lorraine was mentioning, all of the, the area's local ministries that Sunday school classes could get involved in uh, we have those on our website as well where you can go in and find out these ministries are putting, they put announcements on our website of needs that they have. So you can go straight to our website and find out what some of those needs are. But anyways, when we were up there in Vancouver, uh, you, since you can't just build a, 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 a building up there, well, the, 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 the uh, city of Vancouver allowed all of the religions to have a one shot at building 
churches or worship places of worship down this one road between between Seattle and Vancouver, the road that that connects Seattle and Vancouver. We went and checked this out. It was the most amazing thing. You saw a Baha'i temple. You saw a uh, Buddhist temple. You would see a Muslim mosque. Then you saw a brethren church. And these were all huge. And they were literally one right beside the other down this road. I mean, just right on down the road. You had a smorgasbord. Whatever God you wanted to worship, right there they are. And when we were were working with one of the missionaries, this temple, this Buddhist temple was absolutely huge. This is in Vancouver, Canada. And he said, you know, it's an interesting story about that temple. They wanted to put a a 60-foot Buddha, golden Buddha, right up there on the property. But they didn't have enough property. Because they wanted that to be the first thing that you would see when you drive into Vancouver. Well, the Brethren Church that was right beside them, they approached the elders of the Brethren Church. They said, look, if you would just give us about a half of acre, half an acre of your property, and you could just move over a little bit, we will build your school for you and we will rebuild an entire church for you. So the elders got together and said, well, you know what? We're going to have to be beside him anyway. Sounds like a pretty good deal. Until the Asian members of the Brethren Church heard about it. And they came and met with these elders. And they said, if you do this, we will leave the Brethren Church. And they were like, why? Sounds like a good deal. They said, no, because you don't understand. If you do that, then the word will go out that their God moved yours. And so the deal was off. And they couldn't build this Buddha there. But hey, it's a war. You know what? Let me take it one step further. It's right here in Houston. Because a meeting that I had with a, um, uh, a pastor, a, um, a Vietnamese pastor uh, of one of the Vietnamese churches, Baptist churches here in our city, he said one of the things that, that the that the churches don't think about here, right here in Houston. And that's why you might have a church that was a Christian church, but, you know, they've either outgrown or their neighborhood, neighborhood has changed, whatever their excuse, and they bought some property somewhere else and they moved to somewhere else and they buy that. You know what? All they care about is unloading this old property. And he said the problem is many times there will be the Buddhists will come and will buy this property. And now this church that was once a Christian church has now become a Buddhist a temple, a Buddhist place of worship. And this pastor said, people don't realize what they're saying because you know what they do is they take pictures and they tell everybody that our God moved the Christian God. So we don't think about those ramifications. So we look at a temple in Japan and we say, well, yeah, well I'd expect that in Japan. But you know what? Then we see that one of the largest temples in North America in, Van, America, in Vancouver. And by the way, some of the largest mosques in North America are right in the United States. But not only that, it's right here in our own city. The world has come to us. There's some of our folks that were on the trip there enjoying a meal. Now we go to Costa Rica. That was another trip. Then Our church has gone back to many, many, many times because of the work that started. There's Jonathan and Abnett. And the kids just love the feel of his head right there. And they're all crowded around him. Where we were ministering in Costa Rica, 
was in a place called La Carpio, and maybe some of you have knew, knew about this, know about this, but I did not realize until I went down there to be a part of this trip that La Carpio is a place where you had the Nicaraguan refugees that came, and it literally used to be a garbage dump and a rock quarry. Land that nobody else wanted to use, and the refugees would come in there, and they literally made a city, they made a city out of that, that area. And these are the people there, and so... Going and ministering them. You know what? The ch- that ticket is cheap compared to going to Bali. But yet it's right here close to us where we can make a difference. How do you like that bridge right there? Morgan, by the way, that's my son right there. He was real excited about that picture um, when I told him I was going to put that on. But anyways, I kind of cropped it a little bit. But um, anyways, that's a bridge that they walk uh, across right there. There's a better picture of the bridge right there. You see the bridge going across there? Of course, beautiful, it looks like rainforest. Well, if the fall from that bridge didn't kill you, the water sure would. And it was just literally just uh, putrid water that was going down that. Even though it kind of looks pretty and refreshing, it's not. But that was the bridge that the people walked across uh, every day, back and forth across that ravine. I didn't realize, because I'm taking this picture, I did not realize that if we had not had... Uh, Steve Edwards with us, who is a member of our church. He's known as um, Lalo, Lalo de la Carpio down there. He's called Lalo down there. But he is so, uh, 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 he's living with the people. He has so uh, involved himself into their community. He's been, uh, become a part of them. But if I, if I did not realize that if we had not had Lalo with us and then some of the kids that he's ministering to, this is an extremely dangerous place to go with the gangs and all that. I'm just bebopping down there, not even realizing, just taking it all in. I didn't realize if we had not had them with us, it would have been very, very dangerous for us to go down there because these are where uh, uh, drug addicts and everyone else and drug dealing and gangs were. Here's the children that are here in the building that we helped the Champion Forest Baptist Church uh, built right there and we're having vacation bible school and teaching them the songs and all now what's really neat about this is this is a little boy you see the picture right there that jonathan is holding well this little boy here whenever he was there i guess about a couple years earlier they took this picture and that little boy has held on to that picture and whenever we we're at vacation bible school he came back with that picture and showed jonathan that he still had that that he kept on his chest of drawers in his home you see that is why we don't want to just take trips, just constantly taking trips everywhere. We want to go to places where we can go back over and over and over and over again and develop relationships because that's how discipleship takes place. Remember, the great, the, 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 the great um, uh, commandment is not to go and make converts only. It is to make disciples. Okay, so let's go through there. Now, these are the children at the children's home that are there in Costa Rica that, once again, uh, Champion Forest uh, built that building. There's Ramon, Pastor Ramon. Boy, he was a hoot on this trip. I mean, if we hadn't had him. But uh, that, that picture, he's teaching the children, and, and it was so wonderful to have him. And he's so animated, and uh, it was so much fun to have along uh, with us and such a, a great... Uh, 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 attribute here at uh, part of our staff here at the church. There's the Canary Islands. We're going to be going back to the Canary Islands uh, July the 10th through the 22nd. There's still room on that trip, by the way, if you want to go to the Canary Islands. Uh, you know, I always thought that the Canary Islands, I've been learning about these places here. I always thought the, Can- the Canary Islands are just a beautiful tropical paradise. <laughs> it ain't. Uh, it's right off the... <laughs> 
coast of Morocco, and man, I don't have any pictures of the place, but it's a challenge. Now, there's Chari and Joe Vasquez, and they are the ministries with the IMB, missionaries with the IMB that are in the Canary Islands, been there for over 20-some years, and they're going to be coming back in August and staying in our missionary house because the Crosses, Charles and Amy Cross, are going to be going back to France, and they are also missionaries that we support, uh, and um, they are with Greater Europe Mission, and, and Chari and Joe are with uh, the IMB. So there's the missionaries that we're going to be working with. Now, Marseille is where I uh, got to go, and we need to wrap this up right now. Uh, Marseille, uh, France, this is where we hand out the Bibles to the um, Muslims. And as they are going back to North Africa, to Tunisia and Algeria, and we hand out the Word of God to them. Uh, beautiful city. You can see the port there. Uh, very, uh, it's the second largest city in France and uh, a great place. There's, there was your missionaries right there. Uh, don't, I know you look at that and you say, well, that was suffering for Jesus here. Well, let me tell you, it was hard work. Okay, it was hard work. That just happened to be one of our days off. And so there's the, the, the uh, uh, time when we are praying. I've never seen spiritual warfare like I saw on that trip. When we would have somebody that would be down there at the port, that he would be raising Cain and he'd be kicking the materials out of our hands and some of the ladies going up and knocking the materials, the Jesus video and the scriptures that we bought, knock him out of our hands. And we would just uh, call back to the distribution center where we put the packets together. We would call back and people would start praying. And all of a sudden, this guy would it'd be almost like he wasn't even there. It was just amazing to see that happening. There's the New Testaments that we sent out, the packets we put out. This gentleman right here, Ivan, he is from South Africa. And uh, he is just a godly, godly man. He's not going to be able to make it back to this trip. But he goes year after year. He's going up to the cars, uh, the travelers, going back to get on the ferry, handing out the Word of God to them. And there's some of our workers as well handing out uh, Bibles to them. There's a little boy. Uh, that's just waiting, just gotten off the boat coming to uh, the place and uh, getting the word in his hand. And there goes the boat across to North Africa. Now, we look at that boat and we say, you know what, we've just gotten the word of God into their hands as they go back. Our missionaries would tell us, say, you know what, there's only one way to get those Bibles and the Jesus video into their hands when they go back. And he said how amazing it is because the missionaries that are in charge of this project actually live in Algeria, and they would say that when they would go into some people's houses and they would see those materials there, they would know that there was only one way they could have gotten them. And people are coming to Christ. Muslims are coming to Christ by the thousands, but we don't ever hear about it. You see, what people are converting, or people are, Islam is growing because of birth. Christianity is still the number one growing faith, religion, but it is by conversion. So there's a huge difference. But the statistics show that Christianity is still the number one. The points for home, as you consider mission, and as you consider, well, God, how are you going to use me in the future? If it's here locally, if it's across the country, if it's across the continent, or if it's across to another continent, number one, get your passport. You've got to get your passport. You know, even to go to Canada or, or to go into Mexico, you've got to have a passport. Get your passport. If you don't have a passport, uh, get it now. It doesn't take long. It's not a complicated process. But get your passport. That is so important. You know what? Even if you don't use it for two years, at least you've got your passport. So go ahead and get it now. Check out the dates on the mission trips on our website. And call our office if you uh, need any help there. Now the France trip, of course, is closed. Canary Islands is still open. The trip to Seattle is still open. The trip to Seattle will be a great family trip to take people up there. Uh, we're going to be doing acts of kindness and service with the church that we, uh, that we uh, work with up there. But we'd love to have you go with us. 
Be a missionary at home or abroad. Be a missionary in ministering to boys and girls country. Be a missionary right here in Houston going to Open Door Mission. Call them directly. You don't have to have anything created. Call the ministries directly. Our, the information's on our website. Say, hey, look, I want to come down. I've got a few hours next month. How can I help? I guarantee you they will put you to work because all of these ministries that we have listed there are faith-based, Christ-centered uh, ministries. Okay, so it's all in the name of Jesus Christ. So be a missionary at home or abroad. You be a missionary. Pray for our missionaries. Pray for our NAM missionaries. That's our North American Mission Board missionaries that work right here in North America, which those that are in Canada would be included uh, in those as well. Uh, pray for our IMB missionaries, our International Mission Board missionaries. You just saw Chari and Joe Vasquez right there. Those are two that you can be praying for. I know that you've been given a lot of other names and pictures of missionaries through the weeks that you can be praying for. Pray for them because you know what? The bottom line is they're not super spiritual people. They're not uh, incredibly dedicated people far more than us. They're normal people and they suffer the same things. They suffer loneliness. They suffer depression. They suffer satanic attack just like you and I do. So we need to pray for them. And then also pray for our missionaries from CFBC, those that are going to be going on the mission trips as well. And we'll be giving you information on on praying for them. So thank you for letting me come and just share about a little bit about what's going on at Champion Force. Go Again, I've, I've, there's so much, like Lorraine said, I can't tell you because we just don't have time. But go on our website, check it out, call our office, become educated, and most importantly, get involved. There is something for every single person in every single chair in this room. I want to close in prayer. Father, thank you again for this chance to be challenged, to, Lord, look within so that we can in turn look without. Lord, you're the one that, that, that has changed our lives. And we pray that we will be like sponges. That we have soaked up the word of God. And Lord, we are ready to be squeezed out. And show us where that place of service where you will squeeze out um, a river of life, Lord, for others. Lord, we pray that you'd watch over us today. You'd fill us with your Holy Spirit. And let us, Lord, live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all.